Thanks again for letting me speak with you and preach with you. Hey, the next few weeks, I'm really going to do some stuff with in preaching I've, I've not done in, ever. I've been doing this for 40 years, and so I'm going to look at the angels in the Scripture. And uh, it's been a real struggle for me to figure out how to really do that in a, in a, in a sermon way. It's really more geared toward a conference where you would just really look deeply at it but I believe in the sermon, we need to glorify God, present the gospel, lift up Christ. And I want to do all of those things, but we're going to do that as we look at angels in the Scripture. Now, first and foremost, <laughs> I don't think in probably there's any, almost no area of, of our lives as Christians, as Baptists, as people who believe the Bible, as I often say from Genesis to the map in the back, who hold it as true... Uh, some of you may be uncertain about that. Some of you may not be uh, followers of Christ, and we're glad you're here. We're delighted you're here. Some of you may have huge questions and doubts, and this is exactly where we want you to be. But for the most of us in this room, and certainly, certainly for those of you who are members of this church, of a Baptist church, uh, we, we do accept the reality in our hearts and our minds that the Scripture is true. And if it's not true, then... I'm not sure what you're doing here, and I don't know what I'm doing here. If it's not true, and if all we have is this life and then it's over, then I don't know. Just go do whatever you want, because this is not this is wasting your time. You know, the Apostle Paul said, If Christ be not raised from the dead, I above all men am to be most pitied. Because he was beaten five times with 39 lashes, and he was thrown in prison, and he lost everything. And so he's basically saying, of course it's true, and if it weren't, I'd be foolish. Well, if it's really true, then it's all true, including everything about angels. And we don't talk much about angels in church. We'll mention them when it's in a text, but then we tend to move right on. And the problem has become, even for those of us who believe the Bible and have a high view of Scripture, our view of angels has been far more impacted by the culture and literature and art than by the Scripture. When I say angel, I know exactly what comes into your mind. A white robe, probably golden hair, huge wings, and then probably some sort of a female even look. I mean, whenever we have an angel in a nativity scene, it's a girl for whatever reason. And we have angels in nativity if we have a play, we have little children. Isn't it always the girls that are selected to be the angels? Have you ever wondered why that is? Have you looked at the angels in the New Testament? They're not eight-year-old girls. And I preached in Carthage, Missouri a few weeks ago. And, you know, in Carthage, then the those precious moments, you know, capital of the world. And, and my mother collected precious moments like a lot of... like. A lot of you did, and that was fine. They were pretty, and she cute, were cute. And, and uh, when, she, when she finally passed away, had a big fight among us kids of, as to who was going to have to take those. That was the fight. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. <laughs> well, we can't get rid of them. Mother loved them. Yeah, they'd look good in your house, Mary. I think they'd be great over there. All 94 of them would look great over there. So we have all of these angels, the precious moments, and, and then all the television shows. Goodness, you know, uh, touched by an angel and angels in the outfield. And, you know, we love angels. The culture loves angels. Listen, the culture is spiritual. We've always been spiritual people. Have you ever wondered why that is? It's because we're created in the image of God. So even people who would 
totally reject our biblical worldview. Even people who would totally reject our understanding that Jesus is the only way to heaven and all we teach in the gospel, they love to talk about angels and spirits and spirituality. So the culture really embraces those and has taken those and has distorted it to what they are. Angels are not, you know, little girls. or They're not these things you see in the movies. They aren't. Angels are mentioned 200, over 250 times throughout the Bible. So they're not a rare experience. And as the Lord allows us, as we go through the next few weeks, I'll just jump a little ahead so you'll... Angels are... This isn't today's point. It's next point if God will let us meet again next week. Angels are warriors, among other things. Powerful, immense warriors. (laughs) And we'll talk about that. But they're not what we often see on the movies and often see on TV and on Christmas cards. And and look, I don't want to... And music, I mean, goodness, even the secular music, right? They talk about angels in the secular songs and all of that. And look, I don't want to... I don't, I'm not, I don't want to, I want to be careful here. I don't want to offend you. I I really don't, but I want to help you understand the truth. When you die and you go to heaven, unlike it's a wonderful life, you don't get your wings. It's nowhere in the scripture. It remotely suggests that angels are humans who've died and gone to heaven and gotten their wings. And I realize a lot of great gospel songs, not great gospel songs, a lot of famous gospel songs, famous bluegrass songs, famous country songs, talk about mama getting her wings. Unless she joined the Air Force, she's not getting her wings. It's not happening. And this is not something to sort of, oh, well, that's kind of funny. No, the Bible speaks specifically about angels. They are incredibly important. And they are everywhere. We don't know how many, but it talks about multitude upon multitude. That means like, and, and that and many people suggest, as you look at the language of that, and I'm not going to get into the details of it, but multitude upon multitude, it really, in some ways, literally means 10,000s upon 10,000s upon 10,000s. And some people have, you know, looked at that and said, it's 100 million. I don't know, it's, but it's more than you can imagine. There are a lot of angels. So let's take some time this morning and look at a few passages about angels. There's so many. And, uh, but first go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1 really speaks about angels. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. It's oh, great stuff. I'm the Bible, not the water. <laughs> Water's good, too. The supremacy of God's Son. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, and many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophet. But in his last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. The Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They were all there at the creation of the world. Jesus did not come into existence in Bethlehem the night he was born. He has always been. There are numerous places in the scripture, including this one, that make it clear he was there at the creation of the world. 
Okay? Verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the impact of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Wow, that's Christ. And after making purification for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Verse 4, having become superior as to the angels, as the name he inherited is far more excellent than theirs. So he's, a, he's obviously superior to the angels. For to which the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. In other words, as great and as powerful, as wonderful as the angels are, they're not God's son. They're not part of the Trinity. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. Never said that to an angel. And again, when he brings the firstborn in the world, he said, let all the angels worship him. I think it was Jack Graham, I think I heard one time, I wrote, I read one time where he wrote these three words and they've stuck in my mind. And this is how I want you in the times we have, the next few weeks as God allows us, this is how I want you to understand the role of angels. It's real easy. Angels do many things, but we can categorize them in three things that will really help us as we look at the Scripture. They worship, they're worshipers, they're witnesses, and they're warriors. Angels are worshipers, they're witnesses, and they're warriors. Listen, angels, this is so powerful, not because I'm saying it, because it's the Scripture. Angels always point to the glory of God, not to themselves. They're not an end in themselves. And as the Lord leads us, we're going to go deeply into a passage in Matthew in a few weeks about guardian angels. Anybody see that picture? My great aunt always had it in her house, and I was, just, I was always intrigued by it. It's a very famous illustration of the two little kids crossing a bridge and that guardian angel watching over them. If you haven't seen that picture, raise your hand. So you haven't been to my aunt's house. No, I'm just kidding. Next week, put it up on the screen. We need to put it up there. Because especially for my generation, it had a real impact on us. These two little children are crossing this real rickety old bridge in this painting. And this beautiful blonde female angel <laughs> in this great robe is like hovering over them. And that's kind of where we get the idea of a guardian angel. And as God allows us, we're going to look at the book of Matthew where Jesus actually does talk about that. Not that girl over the bridge, but he does talk about guardian angels. And in a sense, I want to give you a little hope. They are around us, and they do guard us. They are warriors, so we'll talk about that. So angels, remember this. They're, they're witnesses, they're, they're worshipers, they're war witnesses, and they're warriors. Worshipers, witnesses, and warriors. And so here again, in all, so many places, but the writer of Hebrews says a lot about angels in the first chapter, and here it's so clear. In chapter 1, the last part of verse 6, let all the angels worship him. Of all the angels, he says, he makes his angels wings, winds and his ministers a fire of flame. In verse 10, and you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain they will wear out like a garment, like a robe, you roll them up. This whole earth and all that we're in it, we're not immortal. We're, we're immortal souls, but the earth he created is not. Like a garment, they'll be changed, but you are the same, and your, ears will, your years will never end. In verse 13, and to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at 
my right hand until I make your enemies the footstool of your feet. He's comparing Jesus to the angels here. As great as the angels are, they have nothing to compare to the glory of Christ. And verse 14, are they not, this is so good. If you underline in your Bible, if you highlight in your Bible, this is one of those verses. Talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent to, out to serve for the sake of those who are inherit salvation? <laughs> you, you got angels watching over you. you. You got angels here to serve you. Now, again, if we're going to believe the scripture, we're going to, then this is true. And if you're going, well, I don't really think that's true, then why do you think Jesus was born of a virgin? Why do you think he died and went to, and, and rose from the dead? Why do you think if it's not true, it's not true? And if it's not true, we're all wasting our time. But if it's really true, then this is true. And that not only are these created beings that were there, that, that glorify God, but absolutely they are here to minister to us. And again, we'll, we'll move into that a, a little bit later. Now go with me to Psalm 148, if you want to, or just listen. But Psalm 148, we're just going to look at the first three, two verses. Psalm 148, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. In verse 2. Praise him, all his angels, all his heavenly hosts. The angels were created to praise God. They were created to glorify God. Job, in Job chapter 38, and we'll just focus on verse 7. Job 38, verse 7. Job is having this discussion with God, and basically God is saying, Job, look, who, are, who is a man? Who are you compared to me? Were you here when the world was created? He lists all these things that he's done. And here in this verse, as he's having this conversation with Job about the glory and the greatness of himself compared to a man, he says to this, And when the morning stars sang together, all the sons of God shouted for joy. He's talking about creation. Okay? Wrap your mind around this. Again, we don't know how many, but there are millions upon tens of millions or perhaps hundreds of millions. Angels are created beings. They were not always there. There are other scriptures that tell us God, in Colossians and other places, I don't have time to go into all of them, but there are plenty of scriptures that tell us where God created. They are created beings. They are immortal beings. They do live for eternity as our souls do, but they were created. And they were created to worship and to glorify and, you, and, and here we see here and in other places that, that, that they're surrounding God right now and surrounding the throne right now and glorifying him and singing him and carrying out his work both in heaven and on earth. And angels are not to be worshipped. They're not to be... You can imagine if there's a king. You're living back in the day and the king is everything, all right? The king. And the king... It's going to see you. 
And so when he comes to your little humble abode, first he comes with these mighty warriors, that you've, these mighty powerful warriors who, who guard him. And then he comes with these other mighty powerful warriors who are acknowledging him and singing his presence. And what? You're, you may be impressed with those, but that's not who you're looking for. You're looking for the one they, they, that they are surrounding. You're looking for the one that they're glorifying. They're just simply amplifying the glorious nature, the powerful nature of the one who is about to come and you're going to meet. And that's the way it is with angels. You don't get fixated. And the reason the culture fixates on angels is pretty simple. You don't have to look at a man dying on a cross and saying, he's there for my sin. You can just say, oh, an angel's taking care of me. Or I have a guardian angel. Or when, when my loved one died, they created their wings and now they're angels. And all of that is from the culture and from artist painting, from time and memorial, and from Hallmark cards, God bless them, and the, or the, the, the any card company and the angels they put on there. And I know you all have these wonderful, wonderful nativity scenes. But I've told you before, and I mean this, you get a nativity scene at my house, the wise men are not at the stable, right? They're in the next room because they don't get there for a while. And if you have a nativity scene in my house, we don't have that angel that looks like whatever an artist and contemporary people doesn't look. Now, my mother, again, she had the precious moments, and we had an angel that went on top of the tree because she said, you know, I want an angel on the tree. To, and that's okay. And I know in her mind it represented a true angel of God, but it, it, didn't, look like, it didn't look like these. I mean, it didn't look like what heaven describes. Right? They're witnesses. They were witnesses at creation. And what Job is talking about, or what God is talking to Job here about, is how he created everything. I, I, I probably should have put more context in this for you as I'm standing here thinking about that now. See, that's kind of the thing. When, when I preach, you get to sort of watch me create the sermon as we go. So it's gonna... Okay, I, I do want to read the whole thing. It's not very long. Job 38. If you want to turn, you can. I mean, Job is, I think we should probably do, if I get to stay, we probably should do a series on Job. You know, he lost everything, right? Lost his family, covered in boils, lost his farm, uh, lost lost everything. You know, and and, and Satan and God are in this discussion about, well, Job only loves you for the stuff you've given him. And I'm going to test him and see if that's true. So Job goes through all of this amazing, painful experiences. And then his friends come and tell him why it's happening and all that kind of stuff. And then, but the Lord answers Job because Job's asking these questions. And the Lord says, he spoke out of the whirlwind. And he said, verse 2, who is in this that the darkness and the counsel by the words without knowledge dressed for action like a man? I will question you and make it known to me. Verse 4. And look, I'm a chronic worrier. And I don't say that to be sort of flippant and say, man, I worry a lot. I'm saying it eats at me. It affects me in my relationships with other people. I think, I know it even affects my own health. And it seems to be that the older I get, the more I worry. I thought it would be just the opposite. But I think the older we get, from a human standpoint, the more we realize what we have to worry about. (laughs) When we're younger, we're a little more naive. And so when I'm worrying, and I, this is a scripture I need to go to daily, because this is, this is, 
I'm worried about all the stuff that might happen, all the stuff that is happening, all that. And basically, God is telling Job, look, you're sitting worried about all these little things, but let me ask you this. Chapter 4, where were you when I laid out the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you must know. Or who stretched out the line upon it? Or on what were its bases sunk? Who laid the cornerstone for the universe? And then verse 7, And when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And he goes on to talk about it. And here's the deal. He's saying upon creation, when this whole universe was spoken into being and created, when the earth was created, when, when, when the sea and the dry land were created, when, when all the vast creatures of the earth were created, when God created Adam out of the dust of this earth and breathed into him the breath of life and he became a living soul in the image of the creator and God created Eve... God says at that point, all the heavenly bodies rejoiced in the beauty and the glory of what was just done. Just think about that. Who are we to understand anything in this world? But we don't have to. The one who created it all loves us and cares for us and is surrounded by millions and millions of of, of beings he created to glorify him and sing his praises nonstop. This minute, as you and I are sitting here in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, God is in heaven, surrounded by a multitude of the heavenly hosts, glorifying him and praising him at all times. And when you look through the scripture, now, now the word angel, both in Greek and Hebrew, is a very simple word. It simply translates messenger. You can Google it. So go home and Google the word angel in Greek, the word angel in Hebrew. It's just messenger. And so many times, the, the, the word messenger, you know, it, 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 it applies to the, the prophet Micah referred to basically John the Baptist coming as a messenger, as an angel. The word be angel. John the Baptist is a messenger. He's not the kind of angel that, that, that I'm speaking of, these immortal things that, that were created. But in that term, he's a messenger. He's an angel. In Revelation chapter 1, where, where Jesus comes to to John and he shows him the seven churches there in Asia and he says in his right hand Jesus held the seven angels of the church that means the messengers that means the pastors At that point they're angels so there, there's a lot of layers to that word sometimes it is just the messenger and, and also in the Old Testament, Jesus, God talks about the, the wind is, his, 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 his word comes upon the wind, and, and the wind is his messenger, now that you're totally confused. Over 250 times in the Bible, that word is used. And sometimes it means specifically the messenger, the one who brings the message. And it can be the wind that brings the message of God, whatever God chooses to use. But then there are these angelic beings that we've, the Scripture refers to with the same language as the word messenger, and they were created to, witness, to glorify God, to worship God, and that is what they do 24-7. They glorify Him. They point us to Him. Angels do not point to themselves. They point to God. They are there to, to show us and to model for us true worship. When you see an angel in the scripture, it's, it's worship. It, worship, witness, and warriors. But today, we'll focus on 
worship. So just as a little background there, hundreds of millions of them created by God, were here before the universe was created, rejoiced and celebrated at the glory of the universe. Obviously, when Jesus uh, came down to earth and, and became a little lower than the angels, as the writer says in Hebrews, a little lower than the angels, meaning he, he willingly removed his, his royal robes in heaven, he wrapped himself in human flesh and became like us. And at the moment that happened, what happened? The whole sky was filled with a heavenly host praising God and singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men in whom God is well pleased and the scripture also says does it not that when a soul that is lost is repentant and returns or comes to Christ and and by faith and is saved and is born again and has a new heart and a new home and his name is written in the land's book of life what happens the angels in heaven do what they rejoice there are times you feel like you don't mean anything, your life doesn't matter, and, and you're, you're just plugging along and you've got no optimism and no hope. If you're, a, if you're a believer, if you're a child of God because of what Jesus has done for you, and you can set to a time when you receive Christ as your Savior and He created, at that moment, all the millions, hundreds of millions of heavenly, glorious angels God created rejoiced over your salvation. They are real. They are powerful, as we'll talk about in a couple of weeks. We talk about warriors. But they are there to worship. And they lead us in that. And they direct us to that. And they point us to worship. And there is no better scripture in my mind that talks about the worship of God by the angels than Isaiah chapter 6. So today, we're going to look at the worship of these angels. Gave you a little background there. And if, you, if you really want to dig deep, and I pray you do. You know, I, I, I pray that not the, only, not the only insight into Scripture you receive takes place on Sunday morning. If that's the case, you, you have some issues in your life you have to deal with. You're a follower of Jesus. You need to be growing daily in his word and I think one of the roles of a pastor or a team of pastors with so much junk out there it's hard for some of us to know what's really theologically correct and sound and has stand stands the test of theology and doctrine and what is just some lunatic preacher who's trying to make a buck saying something weird so I'm not telling you just Google angels and see what the, what you can Google angels and see what the word means, but don't Google angels and start reading what other people are saying about them. It can be some of the most weird stuff in the world. But two two resources. I'll just give you two. Just find Billy Graham's book on angels. You can remember that. Anybody in this room can remember those three words: Billy Graham and angels. All right, it's not hard to remember. It's a book he wrote many, 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 many years ago. I was, I think, in my 20s when I first read it. And it opened my eyes. And he lays them out. I mean, just exactly who they are, how they... It's a little dated. Some of his stories, obviously, are are dated, his ill analogies. um, So you'll have to understand that. But the, the, the material he provides is excellent. So just look up, just go online, buy Billy Graham's book on angels. I believe every home... Christian home, that book needs to be in your library. It is easy to read. He writes it 
for like a layman. You have it here? All right. Well, you can check it out here. All right. That's the first one. Second one is a little more different than that. You ever hear of a pastor named W.A. Criswell? For a long time, I don't know, 50 years, he was a pastor in Texas. And uh, back in the 1950s and 60s, 70s, he was one of the dominant Southern Baptist preachers in the whole world. And uh, a gifted, gifted preacher. I think he took five years to preach through every verse in the Bible. He started with Genesis 1, went through Revelation, and he called it the scarlet thread of redemption. But listen, he has a sermon. You can just Google it. Again, we live in a wonderful time. You can just Google W.A. Criswell, Sermon on Angels. (laughs) And if you Google W.A. Criswell, Sermon on Angels, a sermon he preached the year I was born in 1959 comes up. And his church was a big church, and they actually recorded all of his sermons, even in 1959. And you can listen to this godly man of God unpack in such detail what I just kind of went quickly over here. Who they are, where they come from. I, I don't have time this morning to do all of that, nor would you write all it down if I did. I understand that. But I want you to go deeper. So just those two things, Billy Graham's book, Angels, and W.A. Criswell, Sermon on Angels. And if you have to, 1959, but it'll probably just come right up. And by the way, you can just listen to that one. Some of you aren't readers. Man, just listen to W.A. Criswell preach on angels. Awesome stuff. Absolutely awesome stuff. All right, those two resources. Now, what did I say this morning? I said angels created by God. They are immortal. There are hundreds of millions of them. By the way, we'll talk about this a little more. We talk about warriors. Satan was an angel, right? Lucifer was the most beautiful of the angels. And he, he resented God's glory and he rebelled and he took a third of the angels with him and those are demons. Yeah. The Apostle Paul says we fight not against flesh and blood but against principalities and there's spiritual warfare going on between Satan and the third of the angels and God and two-thirds. God's glory, his power wins. And Satan and the demons, their fate is sealed. Just a couple of weeks ago, I preached to you from about the story of Jesus and the Gadarene demoniac who was had many demons in him. And Jesus, Jesus has a conversation with the angels, the demons, in the man. They know who Jesus is. He's the one that created him. They don't ever doubt him. Did you ever think about that? I mean, Jesus is talking to these demons. And they go, well, you're not who you say you are. We don't believe you. Man, they know you. And they say, do not send us out of the country. As we talked about last time. So, those two resources, W.A. Criswell. I hope you listen to that sermon. I really do. On the one hand, I do. On the other hand, I don't, because you'll listen to him, and you'll go, well, now, that's what a real preacher sounds like. No, that's, 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 that's not like the one we got. But, and anything you want to listen to him, I, all of his sermons are online. And another preacher you should listen to online who's long dead. I like dead ones because they can't have a moral failure. They're, they're already in heaven. It's not really funny, but true. W.A. Criswell, 
and Martin Lloyd-Jones. Martin Lloyd-Jones. There's something called the Martin Lloyd-Jones Trust online, and you can listen to every sermon Martin Lloyd-Jones ever preached. And I'm telling you, you'll grow so much. You know, folks, if you would just do that for the next, this summer, if you'd listen to one sermon by W.A. Criswell and one sermon by Martin Lloyd-Jones each week, 30, 45 minutes, uh, you would see a significant increase in your spiritual depth and growth. And, and it would be a wonderful way to battle Satan in your life who's trying to drain your joy by tempting you with pride and lust and greed and doubt and fear and anxiety. And we live in a wonderful time. If you got an iPhone, you can, just, you can listen to that no matter where you are. Just put your headphones in and just listen to these greatly godly men who God tremendously blessed. So, they are here to worship. Isaiah chapter 6. Probably no scripture in all the... Oh, yeah, there's so many. There's some in Revelation. Yeah, there's too many scriptures to talk about that talk about angels worshiping. But this one is one I want to talk about this morning. And this is the one place where we get the idea that angels might have wings. <laughs> Nowhere else in the scripture does it really talk about them having any wings. In this one, Isaiah sees them. He describes these particular angels who appeared at this particular point for this particular reason, and they look particularly in a certain way, all right? So, Isaiah chapter 6. What time is it? That clock's been clicking 10.09 since I started. Oh, my goodness. No, I, I want to respect your time. I really, I really do. Okay. We'll, we'll. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. King Uzziah had been a, a, a very faithful and, 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 and benevolent king for many, many years. Only one most of these people had ever known. And when a king died, all bets were off. Civil war was coming, and adversaries were going to come in and take you over. Every, there was no smooth transition of power. It was probably the most frightening time. No, it would have been the most frightening time in the lives of the people of the day, including Isaiah. And Isaiah had been going to the temple for all these years, but it was in the most frightening, insecure, uncertain time of his life that he sees God in a way he's never seen him before. You just, you just want to marinate on that thought for a minute? When you get cancer, when you lose your job, when you're really worried about the direction of the country and if any of this is going to work out for us and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, those are the times sometimes when everything else is blown away and we see the glory of God in a way we've never seen it before. And that's what happened to Isaiah. And then he describes it. I saw the Lord sitting in, a temple, in the temple high upon a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Back in those days, the length of a king's robe indicated how much money and wealth he had. And so God's glory, it just, filled, it just kept going around and around and around. It filled the, his robe, the train on his robe filled the whole temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Now these are, they're likely different kinds of angels created for different things. And he describes these seraphim who apparently are created specifically to be around the throne of God, worshiping at all times. The other angels like Michael and Gabriel who make 
come to the earth and have messengers. We'll look in Matthew, there are angels that protect us and minister through us, or not through us, but around us, minister to us and around us, I should say. But here is the seraphim. So he describes them. Each had six wings. Now, that does not mean that every angel the Bible talks about is a seraphim that has six wings. These are specific creatures that were created to be very, very physically close to the, to the to glory of God. And so they were created in a way that even their creation screams, shouts, hollers the glory of God. This is the only thing we want to look at this text is, is, is these angels, real quick. And, and Isaiah, God pulls back the curtain of heaven and he shows them what do the angels look like who were created, this group of angels, seraphim, to simply surround God's glory 24-7 for all eternity. He had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Such is the glory of God that even those creatures he created to glorify him cannot look upon his face. It is so brilliantly glorified. And yet, when God became man and walked among us, Jesus became us and God at the same time. And, and the scripture says we can look in the face of Jesus and see God. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus talks about the angels look in the face of us and see the reflection of God, those of us who are his children. So here these angels cannot see the face of God. With two wings, they cover their face because they cannot see the brilliant glory of God. But you and I, through Jesus Christ, we can. So with two, he covered his face. So glorious and so holy was God that these creations that he made to glorify him and sing his praises. And look, if you are sitting here thinking, well, that's a pretty vain thing to do then we have all failed you immensely in teaching what the glory of God really is. The glory of God is this amazing well of pleasure that we can't even begin to imagine. And God's created all of this around him. And what salvation does is he created a way for us through his son Jesus to come and to enjoy his glory. It's paradise. The glory. So he creates, with two they covered their face, and with two he covered his feet. In the ancient time, the feet was a sign of creation. Even today, you know, in the ancient world or the eastern world, to take a shoe and pound it at somebody or throw it at somebody or your foot and all of that stuff. And here, out of, again, reverence for the holiness of God, covers their created, that they're created, that, that this, their feet, so that out of respect and holiness to God. And then with two, he did fly. So God created these beings specifically to glorify him. And such greatness is his glory that they covered their feet in humility before him, all right, in humility, acknowledging they are created beings and not God. They cover their face because even though they're close to him and sing his praises, look upon the shining of his glory. And with two, they flew. They just were around the throne all the time. 
I know we look around this room this morning and we see some empty seats, but they're not empty. Scripture makes it clear they are here among us. And I know at night sometimes when you're feeling lonely and discouraged or you're really hurting, I'm not suggesting that angels minister like the Holy Spirit, but I am suggesting that God has not left you or forgotten you and you do have the angels are around us all the time. And so are the adversaries' angels around us all the time. And it's so important for us to see the glory of God in the Scripture and in the Gospel and in what He's done for us and in our lives and to look at how the angels worship Him. The angels point to Him. The angels speak to the glory and the magnificence of God. One more time. The king is coming to see you and there's a countless number of soldiers and a countless number of a choir singing that king's praises. All of that lets you know this is not an ordinary king. This is the king and he's coming to see you. I think it was John Piper who said, we get all caught up on a guardian angel. Do you realize you are the Adopted child of God. Jesus is your brother. You've got all the protection you need in this universe. And all of the angels at God's disposal are there to minister to us and care for us. When we get to heaven, oh dear saint, when I get to heaven and I see my whole life before me, I'm going to see that every hour of every day there was, God was using some angel to minister to me to protect me but it's all about God but they were his messengers to do that and may I look at the angels in the scripture and like them may I find my joy in glorifying my creator and like them may I realize that I'm not even worthy to look in his face may I realize I need to be humble when I come before him but the difference between the angels and us is that when we get to heaven, we have, a, we have a view of God and a relationship with him that even they don't have. Wow. Because we are sons of God. Like Jesus. We're adopted into a royal priesthood.